Welcome to episode 51, Post Rank. I'm Josh Owens. And I am Adam Stachowiak, the Web 2.0 show. Profile some of the hottest people behind some of the coolest web services known on the web. I am Adam Stachowiak. Quite a silly Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get on with it. Indeed. So, in case uh, you haven't noticed, we are back on a somewhat regular schedule here. True. Uh, we're actually going to scale it back a little bit. I think we're going to do twice a month, and uh, probably at some point during the year we'll skip a month. We'll take a month off. So uh, we're probably looking at about 22 episodes a year on our current pace. Pace. Maybe you're such a mathematician. So this this week we have no real sponsors. So we're going to try something new. Um, we signed up for an affiliate program with Basecamp, or with 37 Signals. And, uh, you know, we're going to provide a link to tools that we use and uh, if you happen to sign up for uh, Basecamp, Highrise, or Backpack, uh, we just ask that you use our links uh, to help support the show. Yeah. So. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll have a section on the website for that. Sweet. Yep. And, uh, you know, personally, we use... A bunch of different tools, but uh, we definitely use Basecamp and we definitely use Highrise uh, on a day-to-day basis in our business. Sure. Um, we have Backpack, but we don't. I guess it's not quite as useful as we used to find it. We find Basecamp actually works better for handling the podcast and other kind of document management we need. Yeah, it's kind of wild too because we've actually used uh, Basecamp in a sales tool kind of scenario as well. We've actually used milestones to set up callback dates for clients and yeah, this, uh, this should know. really be in high rise though. But I don't. There's just so much overlap between right. a couple other products. Yeah, but they're still good. I mean, we we BCC high rise on our email automatically because we use Mailplane and uh, another plug. <laughs> It uh, it keeps track of all our emails for us, and then we, we have a, an assistant that goes in and, and helps us clean up our high rise and, and keep everything kind of up to date and make sure everyone's information is fully filled out. An assistant, love it. An assistant who will be editing this podcast for us. True. Ryan is the man. Ryan is the man. We can also, uh, I guess. Pimp out FreshBooks. If you went to handcrafted.freshbooks.com forward slash sign up, that would actually give us a, a, a credit towards FreshBooks too. But FreshBooks is, is awesome for us as well. Oh, really? You know, we should just make a whole page of like tools that we use. Let's do it. Because Linode, we use Linode and they. True. You know, they have a, they have a similar deal. And uh, let's see, what else is on the agenda? Zumo Drive will be our next interview. Yeah, later so, today we interview him. Yeah. Episode 52 will be Zumo Drive, and that will be due out uh, two weeks from the 10th, so we're looking at the 24th that should be due out. Right. We uh, we also have some invite codes, and we'll see when we talk to them if they can get us like a crap load of them, like 100 or so or whatever. I know we have 10 each for our personal accounts, plus 10 for the handcrafted account. We'll see if we can get some uh, some invites. For sure. So far, it's been pretty good. So, yeah. 
it'll be interesting to talk to him, and we'll have a whole show talking about uh, cloud storage and how you can integrate it with your machine. Yeah, if you just can't wait for the episode to pop up, go to ZumoDrive.com or head to Web2Oshow.com in about uh, about a week and a half. So this this interview is with uh, Ilya Grigoric. He's with uh, po- uh, well, I guess Eight RSS is the company, and then PostRank is their their main flagship product. Yeah. And uh, it's um, an RSS filtering service, ranking service. So they try to figure out which content is the most interesting based on activity both on the website and on the social networks and various other spots. And uh, they rank those and bubble them up accordingly. I liked uh, their use of the word engagement. A couple times during the conversation, he used the word, you know, like audience engagement and like uh, just just the word engagement. Basically, you know, PostRank is is measuring the engagement level to that content. So I think that's really cool how they use that that engagement word phrase to describe the do. Yeah, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, you know, you're you're measuring activity, so I guess that would be engagement. It's probably a better Mm -hmm. word for it. It's a fancy word. I just think in general it has a good. A good sound to it, engagement. That's because in general you're weird. Yeah. All right, folks. That's it for us, right? Indeed. Enjoy. I guess uh, while we're while we're on that sponsor note too, we should um, not exactly say it's a, a call for open sponsorships, but you know, if you listen to the show and you're a fan of of the content, you know, definitely shoot us an, an email at web2oshot@gmail.com if you want to sponsor the show or have an idea or something like that, definitely reach out and touch us. We don't mind uh, answering emails at all, and we encourage it as a matter of fact. So, But if you're a sponsor out there saying, hey, the Web 2.0 show is perfect for me to sponsor, give us a shout. Yeah. You can you can touch Adam. I don't like yeah. touching. Touch, touch, touch. And touch. if you're going to reach out to us, we, we do prefer to at least try the product before we uh, advertise it. So, Absolutely. It must be good. Must be. <clears throat> must be. That's it for now, though. That's all I got. What about you? That's it. Is it interview time? Enjoy the interview. Enjoy the interview. Today we have Ilya Grigorovich. Grigorik, sorry. I always want to put a V in there. Grigorik <laughs> with us. <clears throat> you uh, you work at Aid RSS and PostRank. Are the two products you guys work on? Yep, yep. The company name is Aid RSS and PostRank is kind of our, our brand and the website, so PostRank.com. Gotcha. Nice. So tell us a little bit about what AIDRSS and what PostRank is. All right, so AIDRSS and PostRank is basically a, a real-time social media analytics monitoring platform. Kind of The core uh, product that we have is... Um, engagement monitoring. So to give you a little bit of perspective how this whole company got started was um, I was coming from a publisher-oriented view of a couple of years back when I was starting my blog. I was also subscribing to lots of feeds, so I had this problem that I think a lot of people can identify with, just overwhelmed by the amount of content. But right. also being a, a publisher, I realized along the way that you know SEO, we, we talk a lot about SEO and how you structure the pages and all of that. But at the end of the day, when I was a publisher, I noticed that most of my traffic is not coming from the Googles or an overly optimized page. It's coming from social networks. A lot of the traffic is from 
you know, the delicious, the, the digs, the reddits, all of that. So I, very early on, I realized that I was actually optimizing my content and in trying to engage with as many people as possible. So from that was born the idea of kind of the, the engagement monitoring, right? Right now, when you look at your analytics, you look at page views and clicks and unique visitors. And we say unique, but at the same time, we treat everybody the same, which is kind of an odd relationship there. But then we also don't capture all the other social activity that's happening happening online. So people share links, they dig stories, they you know tweet things, they retweet things, they post it on Jaiku, they they do all kinds of stuff, and none of that is currently captured in any of the analytics. So the idea was, well, you know, if I'm the publisher and I'm using all of those metrics to actually improve or judge the quality of my content, then why? can't we use that same approach to measure the other, um, the quality of other content from other RSS feeds? So from that was um, the ADRSS idea was born. It was taking that external feedback from the community. So how many people have bookmarked this link or voted on the story, so on and so forth, and bring that all into a central place and providing that as a service. So we released about a year and a half ago, almost two years at this point, we released a site called ADRSS.com, which essentially acts as a proxy service. So you would you would type in a feed, and then you could actually customize it and say, I only want the most engaging stories from this feed, or the stories that receive the most attention. And then based on that, we do all the filtering in the background. So that was kind of the, the inception of the idea. And since then, we've migrated to postrank.com, which is our ranking system for taking into account all of this engagement data. And now we're looking at how do we expose that data to publishers and how do we bring a lot of the social media stuff to something publishers can take advantage of. That is interesting. Indeed. So I, actually I'm looking at PostRank here and I just popped in the uh, Tasty Planner blog and I have something that's a 10. What, what, would, what would make that be a 10? Right, so one of the interesting things about the way we rank the content is it's all relative, right? Trying to compare apples and oranges doesn't work online. So, for example, if you pick a small blog, let's say a photography blog, and compare it against uh, a big traffic site, like let's say TechCrunch. Wikipedia. <laughs> right, it's just, you can't compare those two things. But relatively speaking, if I'm interested in photography, and even though it's a small blog, a 10 on that may be very different. So, for example, the photography blog may only get, on average, five comments and you know three bookmarks. And when it gets 30 comments, that's actually a very big deal. Whereas when a TechCrunch story gets 30 comments, that's basically a... You know, a crappy story. <laughs> right. But nobody liked that story. Right. So... When we do our ranking, when you actually type, when you typed in your blog and you saw a 10, it just means that based on your past performance or based on kind of the level of engagement that your blog has been getting in the past, this is actually a very high engagement story. It doesn't mean that this is the, you know, the best story across the internet. It just means that in that set, this is the best story. So now, is that something that, I mean, I, I don't know how many people use PostRank or have maybe punched in the Tasty Planner blog before, but right. it seemed like you came back with the results really fast. I mean, is that something that you calculate on the fly, or how does that happen? Right, so the uh, we've grown through user-submitted uh, feeds, basically. So 
you can use our service as a proxy service. So you, you would log in, you can upload your OPML file, and we would import all of those feeds. So to, just to give you some sort of a perspective on how our system operates, right now we're tracking about a million feeds through our system. And that's, those are the feeds that our users have came, came to our site and punched into our site. So we don't proactively search the internet for, you know, find me all the RSS feeds. So you're basically starting to rank based on demand. That's right. That's right. And then the actual ranking, you said that it came back pretty fast. All of that stuff is actually happening uh, dynamically when you request it. So we, um, that's actually one of the core features of a platform. It's all real-time based. So based on the current number of comments and all of that, that number is always computed fresh. So it's not, it's not sitting there stale for a couple of days. Interesting. But how do you know, like, as, as a publisher, like, there's no standard comment markup. So how do you know how many comments something has? Right. So that's actually a really interesting problem that we had to tackle over the last year and a half. And frankly, there is no direct answer to that. We've actually had to build... Um, a collection of algorithms for extracting the comments out of all kinds of different templates. And we don't have it perfect just yet, but we're getting to that you know, 95% use case where we can detect reliably and extract reliably all the comments out of all kinds of different templates. You can imagine that there's some certain templates that we can just rely on. Uh, WordPress has right. certain patterns to it, so that covers a good chunk. But then there's the inevitable long tail of custom-designed blogs which use different templates. And we're getting better and better at automatically detecting that and extracting all those comments. So to give you a bit of perspective, we actually have a cluster of machines um, about, I think right now our, our, the size of our um, cluster is about 100 machines on EC2. And they're continuously chomping away at the blogosphere, pulling in new content, uh, retrieving all the newest metrics, and updating all that content continuously. So it's, it's an interesting algorithmic problem, if anything, and it's also a question of scale, because we're seeing millions of news stories every day for which all these metrics have to be updated. So it's been a, a fun little exercise. Not uh, bad. <clears throat> so um, you also mentioned other social networks. Are you... Um, dynamically making calls out to like stumble upon and delicious and dig like as I make that request to analyze my feed. Uh, that, that's a really good question. So for a lot of these guys, we actually work uh, fairly closely with Dig and, and a lot of the other providers to one figure out the best way that we can collect that data such that we don't overload their API. Because as you can imagine, if we were to just make a request for every single story that we see that would translate into million, millions of checks a day, which does not right. scale either for ourselves or them. So for with a lot of these uh, social sites, we actually have either a private API or some sort of an arrangement where we get real-time updates. So Dig is a great example. We actually pull in that data live as it happens on the Dig site, so we always have the latest counts. So when you actually come to our site and type it in, we already have that in our database. We have that data. And we do that for all of our providers. So we track everything in real time, and then you can just sit on the page and refresh it, and you'll see new new metrics come in. Yeah, okay. That makes sense. Yeah, because I know, uh, like, I didn't even think about it, and we put a feature into TweetBots that used Bit the Bitly API. And, uh, right. I, you know, I didn't think about how I was utilizing it and... You know, next thing I knew...
the the API developer emailed me and he's like, "Hey, what are you doing with your app? Because you're hitting <laughs> us like eighty thousand requests a day on our API." That's right. Yeah. And I was like, "Whoa, you know, we we only have like twenty users using it, maybe." <laughs> so oh. it's scary stuff if you don't uh, don't pay attention. Exactly. Yeah. You talked about uh, you talked about social sites actually hitting sites earlier, and uh, for Tweetbots, Josh, Twitter is the highest referrer for us. Right. Twitter, Twitter, and Bitly, and Google's yeah. number eight. Not that it's a bad thing, but Google's like further down there. So this is interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and I, and I think this is kind of picking up on that thread once again. This is a huge, huge change that's happening in the industry. Um, you know, before we had kind of the traditional media which generated all the content. And if you just compare the numbers of what happens on a daily basis, I was actually recently looking at uh, Thomson Reuters stats for 2008, and they had something like 3 million messages that they produced in 2008 and half a million of photos. And that seems like a lot until you put it into perspective and look at the amount of content generated by social media where we generate more than a million blog posts a day and the the number of photos posted to Facebook and Flickr is actually 10 times more in a di- single day than what Thomson Reuters produces in a year. So when you look at those numbers, it just completely changes the perspective and our platform is basically based on the premise that you need to start tracking this, right? The way we kind of we acquire information is increasingly social, and all of the filtering that happens today, or a lot of the filtering that happens today, is increasingly social. So I get a lot of my news from my Twitter friends, and likewise for Facebook and all the other you know, delicious um, social yeah. networks. So do you find that uh, some sites seem to have like different demographics, so they seem to travel in different social circles? Like maybe, for example, I notice for, uh, I guess back to Tasty Planner, we have like 75% of our traffic comes from Google through SEO and, um, you know, and, and then we have the blog and we never seem to make it to Dig or we never seem to make it big on Delicious, but whenever a story hits Stumble Upon, it seems to blow up and, you know, we'll get 4,000 hits in a day to a blog post. Right. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely you'll see, the way we talk about this phenomenon kind of internally is information cascades, and you see this all over, and we see it daily with lots and lots of different pieces of content because we're monitoring all of these networks, and you, you can just see some of the stories kind of explode. They'll they'll start on Twitter and they'll slowly migrate to Dig, and some of them will reach that critical phase where they actually you know, go up to the front page on Dig, and all of a sudden there's more activity on it, on Delicious, and so on and so forth. So a lot of these networks are actually quite connected because, as you can imagine, the more pages you have, the higher the chance that more people will bookmark your page on something like Delicious. So if you can feed that viral loop, you can actually get really good traffic to your site. And this is actually one of the things that we're kind of focusing on at this point of bringing the visibility into that process to the publishers because it's a great source of traffic. As you mentioned, StumbleUpon has an amazing stable of people continuously using it. And if you can get into that loop, you're actually going to get quite a bit of traffic. Same thing for Dig and Delicious and all of these things. 
Yeah, I definitely think, like, I was actually quite shocked. I'd never had a story on StumbleUpon before, and, yeah. and we had one hit, and it was like, I don't know, it seems like it's double the traffic that Dig would normally send to us for a story. Yeah, yeah. StumbleUpon is kind of a, a hidden gem, and I think the interesting difference between Dig and StumbleUpon specifically is StumbleUpon traffic can actually last for for a long several, time. It's sustained. Yes, yeah, it's several weeks, basically. You get that initial spurt of people, and then it just kind of, it's a long tail after that, but you still get a very good amount of people, whereas with Dig, it's a lot of people in a very short period of time. Yeah, it's it's like a waterfall versus uh, you know over long term. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I actually just talked to a client about uh, StumbleUpon today, and it was actually surprised because they had no idea what it was. It was funny. It's crazy. So I, you know, we uh, <laughs> crazy. We we screwed up. Um, the interview here was actually supposed to be yesterday, and Carol was going to be on. And I don't know maybe this was a better question for her. She's the the CEO. But how, how does one make money analyzing, you know, posts for relevance? Right, right. That, that, you know, that's a great question. So one of the things that we've done over the last year and a half or so is we've aggregated a huge data set of really interesting data about who's getting the attention, what are the topics that are getting the attention, so on and so forth. So we actually collect all of the blog content and we archive it internally. So we have the archive of the bloggers here for the past year and a half, and we have all of the associated engagement metrics. So right now, 2008 was all about building our platform for kind of technologically for scaling that up and making sure that we can handle the, the traffic. And in this year, 09 specifically, we're, we're looking at how do we surface all of that data that we have in useful ways. So one of these applications could be a publisher-oriented service for analyzing these patterns for social media. How can you take uh, how can you take that into account when you're publishing content? How do you engage with all of these social networks? Did you even realize that you have a community of followers on Reddit? And if you only engage with them, you could actually drive more traffic to your site. That's one way of looking at it. Another one is just identifying the influencers. So we know what are the most engaging posts on any given topic. So who are the people behind those topics? Can we provide that as a service? So there's lots of interesting things that we're iterating on right now in terms of we have this huge data set. What kind of services can we provide that are interesting to publishers or consumers or anybody else in that sphere? Are you going to be too shy there, Adam? I don't really know. I don't know. I've, uh, it seems like to me that uh, that what you have seems a bit more powerful than what Google than Google provides, because it seems like uh, rather than this you know this algorithm Google comes up with, like you said, SEO, it's more about now things trickle down to me through my social sphere, like Twitter or from Josh or from my immediate uh, my immediate connections that I work with day to day, or you know my social sphere. It seems a bit more powerful than what Google has to provide. I think it's a great complementary technology. I don't think when it, our, as a company, our goal is not to replace Google, and that will be actually, a, that's a pretty tall order right there. I think there's, Google has really good handle on kind of the algorithmic search, right? It's find me all the pages that mention concept X and the, uh, give me the most, the highest page ranked, 
pages, basically, like looking at the links. So all of that is focused on analyzing the, the linked graph of the web. What we're looking at is more of the social interactions. Right. So, And I think the overlay of adding those services on top is actually where you get the most benefit. I don't think that the social social analytics by itself is going to replace everything. I think it's just it's a really good way to augment it, to add that information on top, because there's still lots of value in analyzing all the underlying content, filtering out the keywords, identifying concepts, you know, the semantic web stuff. All of that is still extremely relevant. But I think today it's just the way we produce content is changing. So one of the advantages that we do have with our system is speed. So actually, I had a question real quick. Um, I don't know if you guys heard, but I, um, Google is supposedly actually indexing Twitter uh, near real time now, uh, mm-hmm. or as close as I guess would be humanly possible. That's a big stream. Um, but I also saw a video with uh, Matt Cutts where he was talking about how they're they're changing their search results uh, and basing it more on the personalized search and um, and trying to use other points of relevance besides just you know page page I don't keyword relevance stuff like that right yep so I, I guess that would kind of be what you were talking about uh, post yeah I, I, yeah I think we're all realizing that you have to start bringing in a lot of these, the social aspects of search. So even last year, I don't know if you guys caught it, but for one day, I think it was around March in 2008, uh, Yahoo Search actually integrated Delicious into their search results. So whenever you would see a, a hit on something, it would actually display the associated tags and all of that stuff. So they ran it as an experiment. And... I think the uh, the rumor has it, you know, nobody can confirm it for sure, is that they actually do use Delicious as part of the filtering criteria or ranking criteria for uh, for the, the actual search. So I think a lot of these companies, a lot of search companies are realizing that you know, they have to start looking at the social data, so the social data that's available on the web. So the Facebooks, the Delicious, the all the other interactions that happen online. And it just so happens that at eight or assess, we're kind of exclusively focused on that aspect. So it's not a replacement, but it's just it's a great way to augment that search. Yeah, it's almost like another approach to maybe Technorati or um, the same problem that uh, TechMame or TechMame was uh, trying to solve. You know, by by finding popular stories and you know. Right. Right. Exactly. So. Uh, Technorati had the concept, or still has the concept, of authority, which is based on the, on the number of backlinks to your blog. And for a while, that was kind of the de facto way to measure your influence. But I think now we're realizing that there's just so much more to the online audience. There's so much engagement that happens on the site. You're not just viewing a page. You're actually writing a comment or you're bookmarking or you're sharing that story that we're just evolving that concept kind of to the next logical level. Yeah. So um, somewhere in there before I caught a snippet about uh, scalability and uh, you guys are working on that. What what languages are you using and uh, what what does it take to scale that language? Right. So our, our platform is, first of all, we're completely virtual. Uh, we've been really happy with Amazon Web Services 
where we were one of the early adopters of their EC2 platform, started the website and the service right on top of it. So that was done from right from scratch. And that's what enabled us to become what we have because we just couldn't predict the, the types of load and the, type, the amount of work that we would have to do. So our launch was actually an amazing example of how Amazon allows us to scale our systems. We started with about four servers and then we got coverage on, I think, almost every big social site there was, and this was about a year and a half ago. You know, uh, the dig, the the slash thoughts, basically every social site. And by the end of the day, we actually had a hundred servers running just because we needed to crunch through so much more data than we anticipated. But the underlying thing is, we could actually do that because we could just start a hundred servers and just parallelize all that work. And the actual code itself is uh, primarily Ruby. We do have some Java mixed in for certain uh, aspects of um, doing search or filtering and all of that. But it's, I would say, it's more than 90% Ruby at this point. And we've certainly had to uh, fight through some problems with Ruby and you know, contribute some patches. But all of that's just, it's, it's no different than any other language. We really like the fact that Ruby allows us to do really quick, agile development so we can prototype new features quickly, add to our existing feature set, or just scrap and rework something. So it has a lot of benefits, and it worked out really great. Yeah, actually, uh, you, you got a Ruby Hero Award, didn't you? Yeah, that was, that was a nice surprise at, uh, at RailsConf. So, in fact, my blog is in many ways just a reflection of all of the things that we're working on continuously. So I just have this kind of rule of thumb where if it takes me more than two hours to do anything, chances are somebody's, somebody else is probably spending that time as well. So I might as well just document and talk about it. So not everything makes it to, to my blog, but a lot of the things that show up there is just kind of the daily grind of all the things we got to put up with. And then, you know, just putting it out there to help some other people save some time yeah. and contribute back to the community. Yeah, for right. sure. I mean, uh, you're, you're the reason that we use Nginx now with Handcrafted, so... Oh, well, awesome. Yeah, yeah that, that was a great upgrade for us. So, you know, it, it's selfish also because we want more people using Nginx and a lot of the tools that we're using because they then, they then contribute back to the community, new patches, new features, and all of that. So it works out great. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, actually, uh, I don't. Somehow, I ended up on the on the team that was uh, nominating people for Ruby Heroes, and you were you were the one that I campaigned for because you have some amazing blog posts. Definitely awesome. highly relevant. I think we should awesome. cue some 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 good music here. <laughs> <laughs> some romantic music, maybe. Hey now, what? Somebody's got a crush. No, you know who's got a crush is uh, Marshall Kirkpatrick. He's got a crush. That's what I heard, guys. too, yeah. Yeah, Marshall's been uh, really good to us. He's a big fan of our uh, of our platform. Yeah, he's like your number one cheerleader. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, I wrote about you twice, what, in the past uh, little bit here, or more <laughs> often than that. Yeah, pr- probably more than that. <laughs> this one here. Well, you know, you, you were saying something earlier about... Uh, about your direction and you know sort of what the defining beliefs are of the company and what your direction is, but it seems like you're not even really dancing in fee burners space, but it seems like you're indirectly just replacing them. In some sense, yeah. Uh, what 
I'm, first of all, I'll begin by saying that I'm actually a big fan of FeedBurner. I've been using it on my own blog, and I've suggested it to a number of people. And I think they have a great service. Some of the core features that everybody uses is the whole idea of a feed proxy, so you don't have to worry about serving your feeds or having all the right formatting for RSS2. They take care of all of those things, and that's great. And frankly, I don't think that's something that ADRSS wants to compete on because we would be competing with Google on how fast can we serve the feed. You know, that, that's just not, a, that's not exciting to us. But I think what we can improve on is the analytics and all of the associated metrics that FeedBurner first provided. They were the first one to provide an insight into how many people are reading your feed, where are they coming from, and how are they actually consuming this feed? And that was great when it was conceived three years ago. But since then, there's been no innovation in that space. And I think that's where we can come in and provide a new level of service that takes into account all of the things that have happened in the last three years, which is this whole social aspect of the web that just wasn't there before. Right. It's kind of crazy when you get a, a, a friend request from your aunt on Facebook. It's, it's, right. it's, it's, a, it's a different world, I swear. Well, your dad. I, I got one from my dad the other day. <laughs> He's like, holy crap, yeah. the most technologically incapable person. Right. He'll probably find this episode and hear this stuff. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's fine. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it, but it's just, you know, it's a different world when you get, when you go home and they're like, what, you know, I just email. That's all I do, Adam. But then now they're on Facebook. It's just a different world, you know? So it just shows you that the last three, uh, last three years have really become far more social than it were before. So, well, you mentioned that, uh, not to keep on this fee burner stick, but it, it seems like what the, the basis of what you don't, what you don't want to provide and they do provide, which is the, the, you know, the feed checking and stuff like that. How hard is it to bolt that onto your business? Well, wait, just, a, wait a minute, Adam, because you, you guys actually do provide a filtered RSS feed. So, I mean, it's kind of like a proxy, almost like right, a right, feed burner right. just with the relevance built in. Exactly. So in fact, we, we do have that infrastructure. As you pointed out, that's what we do already. Right. We, we proxy that's what I'm thinking. Feeds. Like, why would it, it's not that much of a bolt-on. It's already there. So right, no right. real need anymore. Sure. I think it's more of a kind of a positioning statement from our perspective where gotcha. we're, we're, not, we're not necessarily competing on being a better proxy. We're more focused on how can we provide additional services on top in terms of analytics and providing insights to publishers. But you're right. The the right. technology is actually there. We've already built this machine that is consuming feeds on a daily basis, up keeping them updated, pulling in all the associated metrics, and serving them back to the users. Right. Uh, I think one thing we uh, I'm not sure if we recorded that if that was in that break or not. But we talked about uh, I was talking to Josh about oh that's right you were gone. My bad. <laughs> I had to catch up myself. Um, Josh and I were talking about. Uh, whether or not you guys are campaigning for a microformat on comments. Uh, and in uh, at the Tasty Planner blog, uh, I actually worked on the team for a little bit there, and uh, we integrated the HReview microformat into comments. Yeah, and obviously yeah. the HAdam uh, format into microformat into uh, the blog post. But what's your take on like getting a format that you can you know, rely on and read upon? It's interesting that you ask about that because we actually – We've been in touch. I don't know if you guys have um, come across a website or a company called Backtype. They do 
they basically aggregate all of the, it's backtap.com, they aggregate comments from all around the web. So in, in some sense, it's uh, a subset of some of the things that our system does, except they ex actually expose it as a web application where you can type in a user's name and get all of the associated comments. And then there's a multitude of other companies that are also looking at all of this data. So we've actually been in conversation with a lot of these companies to see if we can come up with some sort of a, a general format that we could put out as a, here's a simple way to produce and consume comments in a reliable way such that we don't have to rebuild the same system that we built internally for parsing out all kinds of different uh, templates. So in fact, we do uh, we do consume all of the HAtom and HReview formats, and we have all of that covered. Unfortunately, at this point, not many sites actually implement those. Right. So it's it, it's a bit of a hit and miss. Um, I'd love to see more adoption on it because it would certainly make our life a lot easier, and I think it would enable a whole number of interesting applications to be built on top. Yeah. So for for, for what it's worth. Go ahead. Yeah. So for what it's worth, we're definitely interested in pursuing that. Yeah, it's it's almost kind of sad because it's really not that hard to implement. I think, yeah. you know, Adam added it to Tasty Planner in like, I don't know, probably less than an hour. Not right. Even. I mean, and, it's, and like it's just a, yeah. Well, I, you know, I try to do, even for homepages, I always try to put, like like for our homepage, I try to put our uh, you know our ace card in there for the for the business so that you can easily grab that stuff. I think everybody's homepage should have an ace card of the company on it. I think it should be available for every website. Um, right. And just in general, I think as as uh, you know developers, we should appreciate the fact that we have a micro format to to attach to uh, our markup and just use it. You know, yeah. Just, just use it. It's too easy. Yeah, and I think there's actually additional benefits to that. It's it's yet another technology, right? So while it's easy to look at it as a developer and say that's great, it's hard. To, sometimes it's hard to justify it to your marketing people or just kind of your the company as a whole. And I think right. one of the benefits that you could actually use in favor of uh, micro formats is uh, Google and Yahoo have openly said, I'm not sure if Microsoft is doing anything in this, that they're actively indexing all of that information. So that structured web looking at all the microformats, they are extracting it. So I would imagine that they actually take into it, take it into account when it comes to ranking. So I think there's actually a benefit beyond just, you know, I, I adopt formats because, because, because I'm a developer and I like these things. Right. There's actually a justifiable reason to do that. I think there's still a lot of people just don't know about it. So there needs to be a bit more of a public outreach for spreading the word about the benefits of these things. And I'd love to see more adoption. Well, I think we're still waiting for a big winner to come through and say, this is, you know, this is awesome. This is why microformats are there. There's a lot of good use cases there, but like you said, it's really difficult to prove the ROI of, of making sure you always do it. But I think as a developer, I've always uh, led towards using microformats. And in fact, uh, a uh, recent website we developed together, Josh and I with Handcraft, it was calfeed.com, and it uh, it was about live online events. Right. So we obviously used uh, you know the H calendar format there, and yep. even on that same homepage, you have the the that site's H card available, so you can export the contact if you have say operator or whatever flavor of a plugin to your browser that reads microformats, you can easily and like use that information. But yep. as another web service, you can easily consume it as well. 
Yeah, yeah. I think you just need some catalysts. So yeah. if you if you imagine that WordPress.com all of a sudden adopts H comments and H review and all of those formats and just embeds that into all of their templates, that's a big step forward. Now all of a sudden, thirty percent of the blogosphere is enabled by default. Yeah. Hey, wait, we have wait, an wait. awesome API to tap into. I, I've <laughs> yeah. got I've got Matt here on my chat list. Maybe we should just call him up and be like, "Hey, dude, you need to you need to implement H H comments." <laughs> yeah, I'm actually kind of interested how they're gonna integrate intense debate into their platform, and I think I think intense debate actually did have um, some microformat support. So maybe we'll see it. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, speaking of uh, browser plugins, do you guys have a, a browser plugin for PostRank? Yeah, we actually have a couple different ones, and right now they're targeted towards Firefox specifically. We don't have anything for IE or Safari, but uh, that is something we've been thinking about. So, there's, <laughs> I, I there's Safari. <laughs> yeah, so we have we have two at this point. One is the PostRank Firefox extension which basically extends the RSS functionality of the browser to include a lot more useful information. So one of the problems with the RSS today is it's kind of, it's the pipes of the internet, but it's also completely non-usable for a layman because oftentimes you'll find people who, who will recognize the RSS icon, but at one point in their life they clicked on it, they got this XML gobbledygook, figured it's broken and never clicked on it again. And I don't think that's the that's the user's fault at all. I think it's actually a technological fault or a technology fail and user experience that we just haven't made a better interface for it. So the PostRank extension is actually one step forward in that direction. We've extended all that functionality such that when you click on that icon, you can actually it brings up a window um, that says, "Here's the feed that you're looking at. Here are the top posts from this feed." So you can actually get some context, you can customize that feed right in your browser and say, I want to filter on these words or I want to filter by post rank. You can assign tags to it and it'll just sync all of that into your post rank account. So it just provides a lot more contextual information. And then the other plugin that we have is for Google Reader specifically. So while you can use our service as a, as a proxy service, you can filter the feeds, you can also just install the extension and go into your Google Reader and get all the same benefits without bothering of translating your feeds through our system. And the way that works is you install the extension, you come to Google Reader, and you just get the PostRank scores along the side by which you can filter. So you can actually say, you know, I have a 1,000 stories, I only have... 30 minutes of time, so show me only the best stories, the high, uh, yeah, the best stories, and hide everything, hmm. or um, lower the alpha transparency on it so it kind of it fades out, so you can actually see the stories, the stories that get the most attention come to the front. So you can you can find that at um, gr for Google Reader gr.postrank.com, and it's just an extension that you install. So the the Google Reader extension is that something that's based off of um Grease Monkey, or did you guys work with Google and somehow integrate it directly? Uh, it is based on Grease Monkey, so we have two flavors of it. One is a, a Grease Monkey script, and one, and the other one is a straight-up Firefox extension. If you don't have Grease Monkey installed, one of a guy, one of our guys actually built a, a Grease Monkey compiler. So if you install the Firefox extension, 
you're actually getting the Grease Monkey runtime alongside. But we're using the, the APIs that Google Reader provides, and we integrate directly. So we didn't, we didn't work with the Google team specifically. This is just us engineering some additional functionality on top of their reader. So I guess we're at that point in the interview where we always ask, is there anything super secret that you're working on that you want to tell all our listeners about? <laughs> uh, let's see. <laughs> Funny enough, um, just a couple of weeks back, we when there was a, a lot of press around FeedBurner, how they were experiencing some problems with, uh, with migrating all of the users to the Google platform, we actually ended up posting... Uh, kind of our roadmap for the upcoming six months or so, saying we're looking at analytics. As you mentioned before, a lot of the services that we provide are very close and similar adjacent to what FeedBurner provides. So uh, basically we could provide an alternative to that service. So in terms of super secret stuff, I think a lot of really, really interesting applications of, or things that we're looking at building, you can actually find there. If you go to postrank.com, and click on Publisher Analytics, you'll actually see a page which will describe a lot of the things that we're thinking about. And they include real-time analytics and helping you discover the influencers in each field, uh, better management tools for RSS, so all of those things. Um, one of the things that I can tell you guys now is last week, uh, late last week, we actually migrated to a completely new platform internally for the real-time analytics. So it's much more efficient and everything is handled in real-time. So we're really excited about that and we're going to be um, announcing that as a press release in the next couple of days. So here's the, the super secret thing. Awesome. Well, this will this awesome. come out uh, let's see, next, Tuesday. next Tuesday. So um, Yeah, so perfect. You'll be one of the first ones to pick it up. Awesome. Awesome. We'll, we'll beat Marshall to the punchline. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, Ilya, it was awesome to uh, to have this chat with you, mate. It was uh, you got some awesome stuff going on there. I uh, really appreciate what you're doing, and uh, thanks for talking to us. And uh, great, thanks, you, guys. Can you say awesome like two more times for the for all the listeners, Adam? Yeah, awesome. awesome. Yeah, it's really uh, really uh, uh, awesome. <laughs> Oh, you guys have an awesome podcast. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you for saying so. <laughs> I guess. Really appreciate that. It's awesome. <laughs> awesome. Thanks. Awesome. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Web 2.0 Show with Josh Owens and myself, Adam Stachowiak. Be sure and visit web20show.com for links in the show notes or to leave a comment on the show. Thanks for listening.